It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name is Fergus Collins, and I'm the host of the podcast. So this season of 12 episodes is devoted to the magic of water. And in this, episode four, I invite you into the genial company of naturalist, author and angler Kevin Parr. Kevin takes us on a very short journey from his home in Dorset to a local lake, when we spend the day with him discovering the enchantment and the frustration of fishing. Will Kevin catch his prized quarry, a big perch, before night falls? Or will he freeze in the January cold? Listen on for a gentle, joyful adventure and a very surprising nocturnal guest right at the end. And later, I'm joined by the podcast team to reveal our listeners' sounds of the week and to delve into the podcast postbag. For now, though, it's over to Kevin. I'm just to the north of Egerton Hill in West Dorset, and I'm looking west... to where I can see uh, Lewsden Hill, which is the highest point in Dorset, and just behind it, Pilsden Pen, which is not far behind in terms of altitude. And they're sitting like islands in a great sea of mist. It's still probably below freezing by a couple of degrees, but wow, what a sight. It's just stunning. The sky's clear, but there's this low line of sort of, it's almost mauve cloud that's just sitting above the mist and giving a backdrop to the to the islands floating in it. And it's not a sea, it's a great big lake, which is appropriate because I'm on my way to another little lake where I'm going to hopefully 
catch a perch. It's mid-January. We're in lockdown. But fishing's permitted as a form of exercise. And as long as you stay very local, which I've done... Oh, grey wagtails, just... You may have heard it. It's come and almost landed at my feet. And I'd normally be fishing a river at this time of year. I, I love the rivers in winter. I think there's a quality that isn't there through the warmer months and... There's a depth and a mystery and a power and an energy that can sort of pull you along with them and certainly wake you up. Ponds and lakes tend to just slip into torpor somewhat. Needing to stay local, to abide by the rules, I'm just a couple of valleys from home. I had a series of lakes that are spring-fed. You can probably hear a little inflow beside me and uh, the water's actually pumped up through chalk aquifers it's, it's a strange geology the soil that's overturned in front of me is that sort of reddish clay and yet the water is is basically chalk stream fed, it's quite odd but quite unique and it's created these lovely pools, they're really quite stunning and there's some good fish to be had as well and today I'm I'm going to try and catch a perch that's my aim and I should catch small perch there's lots and lots of little perch in these lakes but there's one or two bigger ones they're quite the stock's quite natural and each pool has got its own character its own its own ecology which is fascinating they're very different even though they're dug next to one another and um, there's about seven i think a couple with extensive weed growth others that are slightly more shaded that are slightly deeper and water's clearer and this algal bloom and in each pool you have fish in different stages of development and life and age and the perch they do quite well they obviously breed well there's abundance of small five six inch fish and each year class thins so that the ones that really interest me which are sort of two pounds there's not many there's just a, a handful in each each lake so they're quite hard to find they're a predatory fish eating fry insects invertebrate life whatever they can find really they're not too fussy they're stirred a lot by amino acids i feel and i've got worms and maggots that i'm going to use as bait and a worm might just sort out the bigger fish but we'll see i'm going to probably start off with with maggots and lighter tackle than perhaps i might expect to finish the day on just to see if i can get some bites and see what's happening and gauge it from there because as beautiful as the day is it's not very good for fishing and it's worsened slightly by the fact that having had a really decent cold snap for a couple of weeks um, earlier this week the, the wind pulled round to the south and we've had sort of three or four days of incredibly mild damp weather which is 
great for fishing. Um, water temperature goes up, fish are cold-blooded, they respond to that and uh, will feed very heavily. But last night we got the front of uh, an Arctic blast that's come down, well, from North Scandinavia probably, it's dumped a lot of snow on the northeast, and it's sent the temperature tumbling again, so it's a hard frost, and uh, it would have knocked the temperature of the water down a bit and made it quite difficult, but uh, we'll see, we'll see how we get on. I've crept down to the very bottom lake, which is probably the biggest lake on the complex and being the furthest away from the car park it's the least fished and that to me makes it probably the most interesting I do have a bit of history here as well I've I've always fancied it for big perch and this year I finally caught a decent one from this pool but they're they're few and far between I'm getting my voice down. I've I've crept round to where an alder's creating a little bit of shelter on the near bank. Perched, I mean they're ambush predators, and the bigger fish, which are often solitary, will typically sit in places with a bit of uh, cover over their heads and just wait for a bit of food to pass. It's only a about two and a half, three foot deep and it's crystal clear so I've crept up on almost an all fours, I've got my knees a bit damp and I'm going to drop a bait in just alongside the trailing branches I'm using a 12 foot whole cane rod with a split cane tip which is nice and sensitive and I'm fishing with a float I just, I love float fishing, I love watching a float, I love the sight of a, a red top on the surface. And then of course, the way it vanishes, if you get a bite. Perch bites can be fairly quick, they sort of switch on and off. So drop a big worm in, as I have done and you sometimes get a bite instantly just vanish but equally if they're not home or not hungry then you might not get a bite at all behind me is the stream into which the these springs feed and this is a tributary of the uh, river Froome and it's called it's, nowadays it's called the Hook, the River Hook, but traditionally it was known as the Toller, which links in with the names of the villages through which it flows. Toller Welm, Toller Bacorum, Toller Freightrum. The name was changed, apparently, I have been led to believe, by a person who bought Hook Court. There is a village called Hook Through, which also flows, and he thought the... Um, River should be named after his house, his land. Not sure on the truth of that, but I think Toller's probably a better name. And the Freem flows on down through Dorchester and then 
we'll wear them right into the, the sea at Port Harbour. It's a really nice day. The sun, it looked quite bright when it first came up, but it's just built up a bit of cloud around it. It's a lovely milky sun. It's cold and quite still. That Another good reason to be down the bottom here is just to be out of the breeze, which is north-easterly and got a bite to it. There's a fair bit going on. There's a song thrush singing over by the car. A family of long-tailed tits. The wagtails are active. There's uh, two dab chicks, little grebes on the top plate, getting their breakfast. This isn't actually my first cast. I did just set up with a small hook and, and a maggot and just see what was happening, see if anything was feeding, and lots was a quick succession of small rudd and small perch which gave me a fair bit of hope for the day actually because the water temperature has obviously not plummeted too much as it shouldn't really if it's aquifer fed just it's, the air takes a bit more time to sink the temperature but hopefully there's a chance of a good perch but not on this cast by the looks of things. But what I'll do is uh, creep around, drop a bait into some likely looking spots and just just hope that I drop it on a perch's nose. I'd like a pound plus fish would be really nice just to put a bend in the rod. Two pound will be the icing on the cake. It's uh, mid-morning already. Probably even late morning. It's so still. So soft. Perfect winter's day. Really clean air. Crisp and cold. The sun sort of lifted above the cloud that was softening it. Though it's still not really got any oomph behind it. Hopeless for fishing. <laughs> That's my excuse at least. It's been slow. I've not had a bite. Tried various spots. Not a sniff of a proper perch yet. So I've just I've changed. I've come to a different pool. There's a willow in one corner that reaches out and offers a good bit of cover. And I'm hoping the perch might be underneath. So I've just... Drop my float in off the edge, fishing with worm on, on the hook still. And I'm going to give this, I'm going to eat my sandwiches probably. I'm cold and hungry. <laughs> and I'm also kicking myself because I had a long argument with myself this morning. I woke up early, pre dawn, <laughs> didn't want to get up at all. And the thought of putting the cricket on the radio and just drifting back to sleep was so tempting but I I pushed myself out and I've not been out really this week I've not I, I'm not good in the winter and I I suffer from seasonal affective disorder I've done since I was 11 so I need to sometimes push myself out the door and that's why fishing's so good because it keeps me out all day find no excuse and it's often the way once you're out you're 
you love it and the benefit after it's so obvious it's just motivation but that wasn't why I was angry this morning as such or not cross I had a bowl of porridge and some coffee before I came and I decided that I wouldn't need to bring my tea making equipment Kelly kettle fuel and some tea and I didn't and I could argue with myself far too long it would be busy hauling in fish or far too active to need to stop and have a cup of tea and go oh, what an idiot <laughs> so I could absolutely murder a cup of tea right now I've moved back to uh, the bottom lake where I started I could only only find small fish elsewhere and a couple of other anglers have arrived which has tied up some of the other spots I'd hoped to try and percher being predatory are low light feeders they feed mainly by sight so bright conditions are not much good for them at all they'll just sit and wait and then as the light goes they'll have a feeding a flurry sometimes only for a matter of minutes but it's, it's odd how a spot that's felt been absolutely dead all day can sometimes just suddenly come alive as the light goes and then just switch off again and it's interesting to watch Perch I remember a day on the River Kennet with my friend Martin he and I were just crossing a little footbridge over the river and as we crossed this footbridge we just looked down and there in the margins was this big perch just tucked up against the reeds in about 15, 18 inches of water and Martin had his lure rod and he just dropped a lure in front of its nose and nothing happened and uh, he said that's okay I'll try a different lure and he was you know skulking around being very careful and realised that having not scared it initially this fish just didn't seem bothered and he was up on the bridge and I joined him and he was literally boshing this, this thing on the nose with the lure and it just nothing nose didn't stare at all and it was a good fish it would have comfortably been Martin's biggest ever so he was going to persevere and he went off, changed his tackle got a worm, put the worm in front of it, nothing went back, changed tactics again, different lure and then finally after about an hour just sort of nudging this little plastic lure in front of its nose it just slowly opened its mouth and just gripped the end and he lifted it up and this fish just came up slowly and then just let go and then just slipped back down again and this game went on for another hour probably I think Martin spent two hours trying to persuade this fish to do something and finally he was back on a worm and I'd come back up to watch again (laughs) I'd, I'd having better luck downstream and then just out of nowhere you just suddenly notice that the the perch's pectoral fins were just sort of vibrating there was just a little ripple going through them bit like fingers on a piano that are just spilling down the keys and then it just seemed to bristle slightly dorsal just moved a touch and then out of nowhere it just turned round looked at Martin's bait and just went home engulfed it and Martin was almost too surprised to strike but he didn't he lifted the rod set the hook and was attached to the biggest perch he'd ever hooked and of course it pulled out into the main current the hook pinged out 
and it swam off never to be seen again. And Martin probably hasn't smiled since. I just had a lovely view of a sparrowhawk, which just dashed over my right shoulder. It can't have been much more than ten feet away. I heard it before I saw it and looked up and it just went low across the lake and then as they do they sort of follow the shape of the land almost as though they're magnetised to it it's gone up and down up and down and into a dead tree and I can't quite pick it out and aside from leaving the Kelly kettle at home I uh, left my binoculars in the car this is a good spot for bird life it's the kingfishers that are up and down most of the day it's uh, excellent for hirundines and swifts in the summer absolutely alive with them and willow warblers bullfinch white throat but this time of year it can be good for raptors I expect to see hobbies here in the summer but I was fishing I've also it's an interesting thing I where I've fished for so long I get used to staring at my float and then identifying birds overflying birds by their reflection so I don't want to take my eyes off the float unnecessarily and it's odd how different birds look in reflection they're not always quite so obvious but you sort of you start to get used to the anomalies but I was sitting actually in this pretty much exactly where I'm sitting now on opening day and it was about eight half eight in the morning temperature was rather different and uh, by that time the sun had already been up for three and a half hours but I just saw in reflection a, a very large bird coming over and my first thought heron because the wing shape and then as your mind does in such situations it starts processing processing what you've, what you've seen in a split second and then realising it's not a heron, that's a raptor. And then working out what a raptor it's going to be. And, I, and my head came, well, it's got to be a buzzard and it's got to be the reflection that's throwing you. And, uh, and of course, this, this all happens in half a second. And then I looked up expecting to see this buzzard and about n- no distance above me at all was an osprey. I swore out loud, I couldn't believe it. I just was absolutely stunned. It's not quite last chance saloon, but I had to... The the swim on the bottom lake was just getting too dark. I couldn't see my float anymore, so I've still still got 20 20 minutes, maybe even half an hour. I might be able to see my float up here, though. I'm back um, on the little lake by the car, and I'm playing with fire. I've not fished this spot before. There's a pipe that, I'm guessing it's an overflow pipe, hugging the bottom. It's quite big, it's metal. And it's it's a feature, it's somewhere where perch might just skulk along the side of. The only problem being that I might hook the pipe. Um, a perch might take the bait and dive behind the pipe. Or what I fear is most likely is I end up hooking a carp because there's a good number of carp 
and I've seen one or two just cruising up and down this beside this pipe so this isn't going to be straightforward but I think it's got a perchy feel just because it's a little bit different and um, and if they're tucked up if they're hunkered down in the cold water then next to a pipe it just might be a fraction higher temperature or Anyway, first cast is out there, not quite on the bottom, so I'm going to make a couple of tweaks. Okay. <laughs> I've hooked a good fish. The float just dipped a couple of times and then it shot away, and it is a perch. Okay, I need to take this really gently. It's a pounder, I'm sure of that. I think it might be a bit more. It's not a bad fish at all. Oh, it's a good fish. Oh, it's a really good fish. Please don't come off. Please don't come off, Mr. Perch. That's exactly... It's in the net. Oh, that's such a relief. It's not huge. It's not bad though. It's not bad. I'm gonna sorry I keep dropping the microphone because I'm a little bit excited. It's just hooked. I'm using barbless hooks. It's just in the in the lip. It's a cracking looking fish. It's beautiful olive green which goes down through to yellow. Um, down the, down near the fins and then lovely orange red fins and a white stomach oh it's, it is a two pounder it's over two it's two pounds three ounces and that is very very satisfying that's a lovely fish and I'm going to put it back uh, let's see if we can hear it splashing, splashing away. I'm absolutely delighted with that. Just watching it now drifting off straight back to the pipe. See it's so well in the clear water. And it's going, it turns sideways and zipped under the pipe and back it goes. Well that's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I'm I'm going to cast again, of course, straight away. I've still got the same worm on, in fact. Um, <laughs> but perch don't often swim alone. And if... There might just be a little feeding spell here that I can capitalise on. Half an hour ago, oh, a little bite straight away. A little bit earlier, I... I yeah, I've got another bite. And it's another good one. I oh, don't believe this. It's trying to get under the pipe again. It's taking line. Oh, it has managed to get under the pipe. Can I get it? I can just turn it. 
<laughs> um, wow, this is amazing. It's a similar size to the other one. Could almost be the same fish. There it is. <laughs> and that, maybe not quite as big. In fact, it's it's not as big. It could scrape two pound, massive mouth. You could um, get a half pound fish down in there quite easily. Just absolutely beautiful. That, that It could scrape two pounds. I don't think it's quite. I'm not going to weigh that one. I'm going to pop them straight back. The cars, of course. <laughs> I've still got the same worm. I might get another one. Isn't it funny? I've fished here for nearly 10 years. I've never tried this spot. And yet now I'm thinking about it. It's so obviously a good perch spot. I could have... I would have happily not caught anything today. Because it's just been such a beautiful day. got out of the house, I've got some sun on my face, I've seen things, I've felt things, I've smelt things, and I realise that's all I need, and fishing in a little bite, <laughs> oh my word, it is a cliche, but it is just an excuse for being somewhere like this on a cold January day. And the line, the fishing line, connects me. It connects me to this world that I can't exist in. The world that I'm attached to is a world so full of mystery. And these perch, and you walk around these lakes and it just looks, they look empty. They don't, you wouldn't think there was any fish in here at all. Oh, I've just gone from elation to desperation. <laughs> Not that I should be complaining. I had a, I, I had another sort of smaller half pounder, and it's it gone quiet for a bit. I was just about to give up because I can barely see the float, and then the float just shot under, and I've. I thought for a minute it was a carp because it was a heavy, big heavy fish, and then I could see it down in about six foot of water. That was a big perch I've just lost. I had it on for some time and I started fiddling with the phone to try and record the fight. And I should have just, oh, I've got another bite. I should have just concentrated on getting it in the net. But um, amazing how a day can turn. If I hook another one, I won't press record until I've hopefully got it safe in my landing net. Well, I'm back in the car, and that's no bad thing because it's temperatures falling away again. But I think that's pretty much summed up what winter perch fishing is all about. I've had a really lovely day. It's just really cold. I feel good for it, even though I'm chilly and my fingers are rather numb. And then I was happily resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to catch anything of any size. 
conditions weren't ideal. And then suddenly in half an hour, the day sort of turned on its head in a spot I've never tried before. Two two-pounders. And I, I couldn't be... I, my adrenaline was pumping. I was so pleased. It was just such a relief and a positive feeling. And then um, losing that big one <laughs> and having that knot in the stomach, it's such an incredibly numbing sensation to lose a good fish. But on the other side of the coin, I shall be coming back and trying to catch that one again at some point. But now it's off home. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you feel, if you don't fish, that maybe you can understand partly why some of us do. It's certainly not just about catching the fish, but um, that can add an extra something to a day. And I've got a pause on the way to say good evening to an eagle owl who always hellos me as I go past now. Well, thank you to Kevin there for a wonderful day by the lake, showing us really the joys of fishing. I'm joined in the virtual podcast studio again by Jack and Hannah. Great podcast. I, I know you've both listened to, listened to it, um, but what should we start with the ending? <laughs> I think that brilliant ending, yeah, adorable ending. He hoots with eagle owls. I did ask Kev what on earth was going on there, and he said it's not a wild eagle owl; it's a owl that lives in an aviary somewhere on his route home. Whether it's I don't know whether he, I think he must have stopped the car. Get he gets out and hoots at the owl, and the owl hoots back. And uh, that's their little hoot, hoot off that they have, um, which I thought was a lovely end. Um, so, what did you think of Kev's? I, as, as I know for sure that neither of you are anglers, what did you make of it? As a, I thought it was great. I, re- I really enjoyed the episode. I mean, I've I've never been fishing. I've never attempted to. I've never been offered. I've not. I've just never done it. But. I could understand why people fished. It it always seemed quite a peaceful, relaxing activity. And it was quite interesting because I always thought it was relaxing because you were fishing, you were trying to catch the fish. But it does seem, especially from this podcast, it's also a chance just to listen to where you are and appreciate the surroundings, not just concentrating on getting the fish. Although, I mean, there was a bit of fury in the podcast of getting the kettle for the tea. and. I know. <laughs> yes, I felt, I felt so sorry for him. <laughs> I know it really did sound like he was um, he was uh, he was clearly upset, wasn't he? Yeah, and and the story of the fish that just couldn't be bothered to be caught. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so nice. <laughs> and then the story of the one that got away, which is in almost every angler's armory, is mm. um, the, the big the big fish that got away. Uh, Hannah, what did you think? Would you would you, are you tempted to um, take up fishing, go fishing, even look at <laughs> look at a fish? No, 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 no. Um, I, I famously, um, I'm not that interested in fish. Like, I don't, 
I don't understand why people like fish. It's just something missing in me that mm. just is not interested in cold-blooded animals, except for newts and slow worms. I was really soothed by this podcast. It's really something about Kevin's delivery that is so cosy and really draws you in. And although I'm not interested in fishing, you can see the appeal of sitting there and quietly observing the landscape. Um, and there was a point where I was like, oh, I understand this now. Like I get, it's fishing's not about fishing at all. So it's about being in the landscape. But when he does actually catch something, that's the moment his voice goes up and he starts getting really excited. I'm like, oh no, it is actually about fishing. It's about fish. He's happy now. It's about both, yeah. But that's a lovely thing to say. I think, yeah, you're right. It, and I think that's a great thing that he's managed to convey there in 30 minutes is the joys, the many faceted joys of, of sitting by a river. I like the way that he said the line and the rod connect him with a world that he doesn't, um, he's not familiar with or he, couldn't, he can't explore. We humans struggle with unless we've got lots of equipment. I also think the star is the perch, now, I, I do like fish I, because I do I think they're really beautiful. I love those little the, the, the scales and patterns and silvery, you know, they, they shimmer in water. And they, they, I've always been fascinated by the sort of dens and denizens of um, watery places. So I did a little bit of searching. I don't know an awful lot about perch. I know they're very pretty and um, sort of spiny. And my brother once caught one, which made me very jealous. But in this book here, I discovered to my great surprise this is freshwater fishes in britain this is from my library of my natural history library it's quite an old book uh, and there's lots and lots of authors so i won't go through them all but it's published by harley books it talks a lot about perch all the sort of dr kind of dry information about you know how long they live how big they grow and where they live but it says that during the second world war when food rations were at a premium small perch from Windermere were canned for human consumption and marketed as perchines or perchines. Perch are still regarded as good eating. Anglers today tend to return them alive to the water. I thought that was really interesting that they have such an inland freshwater fishery for perch. Now, this is a really, this is a, a great charity shop find of mine A Guide to the Freshwater Fish of Britain, Ireland, and Europe by Roger Phillips and Martin Ricks. Now, Roger Phillips is quite famous for his foraging guides and tree guides. He's, um, and this is quite an old book. And it has these lovely profiles of fish. And they're quite they're written with a lot of personality. It's a really good book if you can ever find one. I think it's out of print now. As I fumbled to find page 74. And he says, because he's tried all these fish, and he says, cooking perch is, the, is this little bit. Perch are excellent to eat and unjustly neglected in England. In Switzerland, where good specimens used to abound in most of the large lakes, eggly fillet or aigle filet, is a great speciality, as good as a fillet of sole. I found smaller specimens delicious when cooked in a small smoker. If very fresh, they need not be cleaned. There we go. Um, and also, I don't know, have either of you ever read Swallows and Amazons? I think I might have done when I was tiny, but not for a long time. Well, they catch perch and eat them quite a lot in, in Windermere. So, or one of, No, it's not Windermere, it's one of the other lakes, but... Uh, so that's a little potted history of eating perch. <laughs> Kev gave us the natural history of them swimming around, but um, I thought that was a nice little bit of extra info. 
So Hannah, you've got a few questions, I know, about Kevin's lovely experience. Well, yeah, I was interested in how he was talking about how the river had changed its name from the Toller to the Hook. And I was wondering how something like that happens, especially when the villages around it are named after the Toller. How then does it become the Hook? I don't know the story, but I, my, in, in my imaginings, it would be probably some uh, a wealthy and influential local person. So he says that, but he like what I'm interested in is how 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 would he, by sheer will, make people call it something else? Like how does a name that people have known for decades change? That's a good point. The power of local sort of feudal authority in rural Britain. Should we talk about the postback, the podcast postback? We've we've had one or two things in. Um, Hannah, I believe you may have a treat in store for us. I do. I have the long distance listener of the week. So this is <laughs> this is um, Dave Honor in Cape Town, South Africa, and he's talking about listening to the Seven Ball podcast. And it reminds him of a chat that he had with a friend several years ago when training for guiding in the wilderness area of the Mfalozi Game Reserve. And he goes on to say. We were sitting at the camp on the banks of the Umphalosi River, which is most times just a trickle in the centre of a wide sandy beach. My friend mentioned being there a few years ago when all of a sudden the birds screeched and flew up from the banks. Other animals also scurried away, then all went quiet. Fifteen minutes later, a tidal wave came racing down the river, flooding the whole area. This had been caused by a massive storm several kilometres upstream, unheard by the humans, but alerting all the wildlife. No doubt the animals on the banks of the Severn have gotten used to the sounds of the uprushing floodwater. And Dave finishes his message by saying, when walking, he often has in his mind how you, Fergus, would describe the sights around him. Wow, I would love to describe the sights around there. It's slightly different wildlife backdrop to Monmouthshire to be in the wonders of Cape Town and some of these great game reserves. My goodness, that would be fun to expand the po- the podcast worldwide. Um, that, I thought that was, that's such a lovely, a lovely email. Beautifully read, Hannah. Thank you. I liked how he, he, he listened to the podcast, but just sort of expanded on it. That whole idea of can animals tell when something big and dramatic is going to happen, like birds going quiet before thunderstorms on the seven. It did go very, very quiet just before the the boar came along. But beforehand, we were looking, you know, are the dogs going to start barking? Are the birds going to start flying backwards? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Obviously, it, 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 there was a sort of sense of anticipation amongst the wildlife around. So that was quite exciting. So, Jack, sound of the week. Yes. What have we got? We've got some sounds of the week in. And this week, we have got a sound from Jessica. And uh, her recording is from Somerset. So I guess we'll just take a listen.
I love this one because of the horse's hooves. It's so sweet. I was going to say, I don't know whether it's just me and it's because I know it's cold outside, but to, to me, it sounds cold. Mm, it's got a sense of coldness. I think it's the um, the robin. Yeah, I, I think it must be like the robin and just the sort of the quietness of it just sounds very wintry and a bit chilly, which I think is quite an interesting thing to notice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've also, I have got a sound of the week, which I, I hope you won't mind me inflicting on you. It's also cold. Have a listen to this. That metallic sound. It's sort of very satisfying. It's very thin, the ice. It's only had one night of... There you go, splosh cast. Crunch cast. The thing that came to mind when I heard it was robot crisps. <laughs> The very sort of metally crunchiness to it. That yeah, it does have that. It's very interesting that it's a natural sound that it sounds unnatural in a way. So I was out recording because there's been so much rain of late, although today is a beautiful, sunny, clear day, which is why I got out to, to try and do some recording. But the rain had caused a lot of the little streams and the River Usk near, near to me here in Monmouthshire to burst their banks. And there's so much water in the valley. So I thought I'd try and get out. And then overnight it was really cold, hence the clear clear skies this morning. And a lot of those flooded fields had frozen, creating these very thin, thin ice, almost, I mean, you, I'd have loved to have gone ice skating, but obviously I was in my wellies and it was only like a millimetre thick. Well, that's about it for this week. We've had fishing, we've had ice, we've had news from Cape Town. Um, thank you both of you for joining me again. It's lovely to have your company and your thoughts. And we'll see you again next week.